Mike. Okay, I'm going to read each prompt and then I'll answer it here. Um, I wrote down some answers, so right. I'll try to I'll try to read them without sounding like I'm reading them. But um, it's easier to easier to collect my thoughts that way. So uh, the first prompt is: Should the primary focus of collecting be on long-term value of cards or the enjoyment and appreciation of the cards themselves? That's an easy one. I'd never tell anyone what their focus should be, especially because most people don't understand mine. Uh, but that's the beauty of collecting. Everyone loves different things. I would never want to yuck anyone else's yum, as another famous podcast says, even if I will never understand their particular focus. What we should all truly try to consistently understand is that everyone enjoys the hobby differently. heard him folks this is a famous podcast <laughs> as he said another famous podcast once said no i kid i value you i value you listeners you sports card collectors uh this is a very niche topic a very niche hobby and i know i'm not going to be <laughs> rocketing to the moon with with views and listens and all that jazz but you guys you those of you who tune in you share that same quirky, weird passion for cardboards of pictures of athletes and mystical creatures and all kinds of stuff. And I think, I mean, others can't understand it, but I think this is what can make me happy. This is, I just enjoy collecting the cardboard. Late at night, once everybody's gone to bed, I can escape. I can run down into my sanctuary, my basement my card desk, and I can fondle some cardboard. So the opener was my friend Jason, Ginter Gold Fever on Instagram, who is an Allen & Ginter collector, um, and I decided to just run that out raw. So thanks, Jason, for opening up today's topic. Jason read word for word, so I'm not going to repeat what he said, but basically... We're trying to get down to the crux of should collecting be about long-term financial value or enjoying the cards that you collect. So we're going to listen to the same four folks that we've been listening to for the first two episodes of this collector versus investor debate series. And the next person we're going to hear from is Dan, who is a baseball card enthusiast and a fantastic, always well-spoken podcast host for Leave the Pin Podcast, a fantastic show about golf. Not cards, just golf. I am a firm believer on appreciating the cards themselves. Cards are stories, right? Cards are a link maybe to our childhood, to our past, uh, maybe to something good that happened, maybe to a player that you met. One of the most fun aspects of collecting golf cards is I'm starting to collect golf cards of people that I've had on the podcast, people that I've met in person, people that know me through the podcast. And that's really cool. And it's awesome to shoot them a message or a text or DM on Instagram and be like, dude, look what I just picked up. Like your auto. Um, I did that with Brendan Steele. 
And he was like, I would have just given you an autograph if you needed it that bad. And, you know, those little interactions are phenomenal. I had him on an episode about a year, year and a half ago. We talked music. He's a big Linkin Park fan. He actually is friends with one of the guitarists in Linkin Park. Uh, and it was just awesome. And that's a memory I'll never forget that I never would have had without the podcast. And golf card collecting kind of sparked up that conversation between us again. So I am, uh, I am not opposed to people holding on to cards and selling them you know like with baseball cards one of my biggest things is if i get a rookie in a box that i'm opening and it's not a guy that i collect 99 percent of rookies are going to drop off value wise so i'll get rid of them as soon as possible and then buy something for my personal collection because that's what i look at it to be my personal collection what i like what i enjoy what i like looking at in the walls of my podcast studio uh, of my golf room down here, which is kind of like my golf and baseball card room. Uh, I want to see things that resonate with me. And the value really doesn't mean as much monetarily as it does emotionally. Oh, damn, Dan, you did it again. Wow. You, you opened that with something that really hit me. And that is cards are stories. And that's, that's what my whole podcast is about, is sharing collector's stories. So I thank you for the way that you respond to this prompt. You're not a, treating this like an aggressive us versus them. You're saying, this is what I believe in. And you're using examples of um, your connection to a pro golfer and uh, bonding over music and why you would want to collect his cards. Man, that rocks. Um, hey, let's kick it off to our next contributor without further ado. This is a passionate golf card collector, James Peacock. Hands down, 100%, the appreciation of the cards, not only the artwork, the history, uh, the memories that you have holding them. Uh, to me, that's what it's all about. Uh, if, if I was really concerned about value or investing, I would just you know, buy index funds or invest in the stock market or, you know, get some, get some currency or something. Uh, to me, this is fun and it always will be. And as soon as it's not fun, like I'm out. Right. So this is like one of my biggest hobbies, one of my biggest passions. And, you know, if it was just my investment vehicle, I think that would take the fun out of it. Um, you know, clearly sometimes if you happen to, you know, make a little bit of profit from getting rid of a card and you want to roll that into your own collection, I'm all about that. Um, I also sometimes speculate, like I'll buy a couple like copies of the same card, hoping that, yeah, maybe if it goes up over time, I can, I can sell a couple duplicates and, and then expand my collection, but I'm never in it to pocket profit. Any sort of gains that ever come from collecting, it just goes right back into collecting for me. Right. Um, so I think it's that, and it's also meeting new people. Um, I love meeting new people in the hobby, just talking about cards, trading, uh, helping each other with their goals. Uh, answering questions that people have that are new to the hobby. So to me, that's also a lot of fun that you can't get out of it if you're just in it to just invest or make money. Um, so I just want to show a couple examples maybe um, to kind of hit this point home where, you know, you could always, you know, it's always a bit of both, but without that love or the passion, um, I think it just provides sort of like a, a false sense of 
pricing and value and it sort of artificially inflates sort of what we're doing if people are just here to you know make a quick buck so i think the less of that the better i just would hate for the prices to get too high one of my favorite parts about this hobby is that it's actually really affordable um pokemon got super expensive and i'm not really into any other sports in terms of collecting so it was really cool when i got into this hobby back in like 2019 that and I was picking up hobby boxes of 2001 Upper Deck for like 15, 20 bucks. And I would just buy cases because it didn't make sense from a shipping perspective. So I'd, I'd spend like 200 bucks for a case. And that was a lot of fun. So even though, you know, the hits were not great, I was able to complete sets. I was able to get those cool inserts. I was able to, you know, get cards like like this. This was the only tour, tour gear card I got at Craig Stadler, um, you know, of 50. But again, this is the kind of stuff that it's not worth much. But to me, it's super cool. These are so hard to pull that it reminds me of when I first got into the hobby and I started pulling these cards. And the fact that they went up to two or three hundred dollars a box just doesn't make sense because people just got into the hobby. They were trying to make a quick buck. They were trying to look for Tiger rookies. And even then, there's 30,000 of those. So when the prices got so insane on the Tiger rookies, I just thought there's no way these should be worth that much. So. Like, I'm all about value going up if everyone gets into the hobby because they love it and everyone's building sets and collecting it. But I don't want prices to go up just because people are trying to rip open a box, get a rookie, get a 10 and make a buck. Like that isn't fun to me. That's not a very fun hobby. James, you hit the nail on the head. Collecting cards is about appreciating the artwork, sharing the history and memories, and there's better investments if that's really your goal. You can look at stocks and index funds. And cards should be all about the fun. Uh, if you treat this like an investment, then yeah, it, it takes away for the fun, just like you said. Um, and then I, I, I can also relate to rolling those incidental gains into your collection. Um, and yeah, I mean, meeting new people um trading uh all those kind of things at the end of the day i think collectors and investors can both enjoy those aspects of the hobby in fact i think investors are some of the most outspoken people they are the ones who post lots of content on social media and kind of brag about what they're able to do uh, almost like a gambler but uh you know i and so i i agree with a lot of the earlier points you made um but when I when it comes to like participating in the hobby, I think there are a lot of investors who who are outspoken and go to shows and meet up with new people. So, um, you know, but I love everything you said um, up until that point. Um, you know, I, at the end of the day, we don't want prices to go up too much. And, you know, there are gamblers who take advantage of Upper Deck E-Pack and just rip packs and we can take advantage of some of their misfortunes but the important part that you mentioned is that the boxes themselves uh, they they inflate so much just because people are trying to speculate and profit off of somebody that other people love and there are people like that who are just not true hobbyists anyways man you crushed it as always thank you for your contribution and last up we're going to be hearing far from our one and only contributor that identifies as a sports card investor and that's paul hickey of the sports card strategy show now normally you may have noticed from the first two episodes of this collector versus investor series i'd like to kind of sandwich paul's opinions between 
a couple of the other collectors. Um, and it's it's mostly because I wanted to have kind of a, a paddleboard back and forth of opinions. Um, in this case, I decided to save Paul for the end, and I think you'll see why. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. I'm the co-host of the Sports Card Strategy Show. And I believe that the primary focus of collecting should be on enjoyment and appreciation of the cards themselves. And I know this is probably going to shock Mike and shock all of you because all I care about is making money flipping sports cards. But I struggle with the term long-term value. It's hard for me to project a long-term value on a sports card. I am more all about flipping in say six to 12 month windows. And while some of you may consider that long-term, when I think long-term, I'm thinking more three, six, nine, 12, 15 years. And it's very, very hard for me to tell anybody what a sports card today will be worth five, 10, 15 years from now. So I believe that the focus of collecting should not necessarily be on the long-term value. It should be more on the enjoyment of the cards. Now, if you mitigate that with value, you're obviously putting yourself in theoretically a better position long-term from a financial standpoint. But last time I checked, that's not always the primary focus of collecting. The primary focus of collecting is to enjoy your collection, show off your collection, pass down your collection, have your collection mean something to you. And I think if you're collecting in the right way, you're not just out there buying cards for no reason, but you have a purpose, you have a focus, you have a why behind what you're collecting. You know what you're collecting. Then I think that that will have inherent value to you. And it will have inherent value to the others around you and the others that you share your collection with. So I think Mike expected me to come in here and say value, 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 value. But collecting is different than trying to make money. Trying to make money is flipping. That's what I'm an expert at. But I totally respect and understand the position of collecting. And I think if you're on that side of it, then I think you need to look at the why behind the enjoyment that you're getting out of specific cards. All right, everybody. Hopefully you found some value in this answer. Paul Hickey with NoOffSeason.com. Mike, back to you. Paul, I feel like I've been duped. You're right. I did expect you to come on here and preach value, value, value. Instead, I worded this the wrong way. So I'll just run through some of the stuff you talked about. So first of all, I'm so happy to hear you actually encouraging collectors to enjoy our collections and show them off and pass them down. That is just the kind of talk that can bring us together. Because when I've listened to your show, you guys are so dead set on making money to the point of when the concept of collecting comes up, you can even be a bit, um, what's the right word here? Treat it like, you know, collecting is almost a silly thing to do when your mission is to make money. And that's absolutely right. 
if your goal is to make money, you got to separate that completely from collecting. What I should have done is worded this question as the purpose of participating in the hobby rather than the purpose of collecting. If I had worded it that way, the guy at the beginning of this episode, Jason, would have come down on me even harder because I would basically be trying to say that everybody who enjoys the trading card hobby needs to be going after the same purpose. So I'm, I'm learning, we're only on episode three of this uh, Collector versus Investor series, but I'm learning that you and I and everyone else, Paul, has their own purpose in collecting, their own niche that they enjoy. I like golf, as you know, and others like other sports. People like certain styles of cards. People like transacting, and they don't give a crap about the cards themselves. They just like the social side of it. There's people who do have trading card games and they like going to tournaments and physically playing with the cards. There's people who enjoy grading cards and they just want a card that is in the most pristine condition and at the end of the day, the the content of the card isn't as important to them. So I'm learning to stop judging people and just stick to my lane. And if I'm able to connect with someone else who's in a different lane, um, you know, then, then we can be friends and we can, we can chat or we can just admire each other from a distance. And if I don't agree with someone else is doing, then just let them be and, and don't impose my beliefs on them. We need to focus on our why, find our purpose, our focus. You need to know why you're collecting, what you're collecting. You need to know what your passion is surrounding your collection I think a lot of the guys who talked earlier in this episode shared some of their whys. Even I have alluded to some of my whys. But this is, I think, one of the cruxes, one of the focal points of the entire Fondling Cardboard series, the the whole Fondling Cardboard podcast, to search for my why, to find out why I collect cards. What do cards bring into my life? This isn't a show about this player is hot, buy this, sell this. And I've even found myself drifting a little bit, doing set reviews, um, you know, talking about some hobby news. But at the end of the day, the reason I'm doing this podcast is to understand myself better, understand what makes me tick in the hobby and how I can use the hobby to make my life better. Woo, hitting a little deep there. Let's rope it back in and talk about Card of the Week Spotlight. And this week, we have the 2008 Topps Chrome Steve Nash Orange Refractor. This copy is actually one that I personally had graded as a Gem Mint 10 through PSA. The Orange Refractor in the 2008 Topps Chrome series is serial numbered out of 499 and... This is a really special card for lots of reasons. I mean, Steve Nash is my favorite basketball player. Um, It's, of course, when he was playing for the Suns in his prime. And, uh, I mean, not that I care necessarily about playing days and having a card from that exact moment in time, but it does make it a little bit extra special. And around 2008 was basically the heyday of my own personal basketball high school career. 
Um, it's when I was absolutely obsessed with the game. And it's when I was kind of, mm, I was searching for something in my personal life at home. And, you know, I was kind of transitioning between groups of friends and had, you know, things going on between my, my mom and my stepdad. And they were starting to separate. And it just, things were kind of, um, leading me towards needing a, a hobby to kind of escape the world. And uh, I had to play Magic the Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and all kinds of trading card games. But it was around then that I'd, I paid a visit to my local card shop where I used to play those games. And I noticed that for sports, they didn't just have hockey cards because up here in Canada, hockey is basically the main sport. And when I found out that basketball cards existed around that time, um, I was I was so so happy to pick up some hobby boxes back then. Uh, for those of you who were collecting back then, you know you could pick up boxes for tens of dollars. So I picked up a couple boxes of uh, 2008 Tops paper cards, and I remember opening them, and I thought the design was just so plain. It just was so. It's just this white background a picture of the player um, it had this cute design where the letters had uh, alternating colors team colors uh, in circles around each letter and you know the back had was very traditional just had some stats um, uh, about the player um, his height weight uh, college those sorts of things and and usually some kind of quote about the player and it just didn't it didn't captivate me at the time um, but within, you know, a few months, I realized I did love reading the stats. The simplicity grew on me a little bit. So when the local card shop owner, that's Chris Wise at Wiser's Wide World of, World of Collectibles, uh, told me he was going to be getting a case of Topps Chrome. Uh, he said, this is, this is the hot stuff. This is what everybody wants. And the price tag was, I believe, more than a box of the paper product and you got half as many cards because they're thicker chromium cards and of course i didn't pay attention to these at the time so i said okay you know if, if this is the stuff that everybody's talking about i'll get a box so i got a box and i remember opening it and thinking why are there half the cards and i think there may have even been less packs in the box too i'm like i i open this box i get like 45 or 60 cards whereas i opened the the paper card box and i got like 140 cards (laughs) of course my mindset was quantity over quality um and the other funny story about that experience was i had opened um both a lebron james base card and a lebron james refractor and for those of you who are familiar this is the lebron james chalk toss it's a very iconic card. Even the base card is nowadays worth well over $100, well, a couple hundred dollars. And the refractor is um, hundreds of dollars, and, and you get into the thousands when it comes to a, a decent grade, like a PSA 9 or 10. And so I pulled these two cards, and I, I loved the card instantly. So at least I had that kind of taste that <laughs> others in the hobby appreciated as that card as well. So... I was comparing the two cards and I noticed that one of them, I didn't even notice that it was shiny, first of all. 
I noticed that the letters were not as dull as the letters of the team name on the base card. And I remember thinking to myself, why don't they just make all of the letters uh, less dull? Why is there like a few cards in this box where the letters look a bit nicer? I was just clueless about the shine and the everything about refractors and serial numbering was confusing. I was like, what is this orange card? And I got a gold uh, tops chrome card. What, what am I going to do with these? They don't, they don't match the other ones. When I put them in my binder, uh, they're going to stick out. <laughs> so that that's, that's my, my exposure into uh, attributes and themes that are so important in modern sports cards. That about wraps it up for today's episode. I'm sure by now you know that my Instagram is at the golf card collector. Uh, check out the podcast Instagram as well. That is at fondling cardboard. Uh, if you're on Facebook and you like golf cards, then also check out my Facebook group, uh, golf cards and memorabilia. And next week's topic uh, is going to be an exciting one. It will be the fourth part of this investor versus collector series, and um, technically the final prompt of the series and I believe after that one uh, I'll do sort of a finale wrap-up episode as well uh, but the the final uh, series topic will be hobby participants should solely focus on cards or players they love rather than diversifying their collection agree or disagree and we'll be he- hearing from the same characters that you heard from today follow or connect with any of those guys we have jason at gintergold fever paul at uh, sports card strategy we've got james at james peacock and we've got dan at leave the pin thanks guys i'll see you next week